The Bob Murphy Show, episode 97. you gonna do get ready for another episode of the bob murphy show the podcast promoting free markets free minds and grateful souls it's your source for commentary and interviews conducted by a christian and economist now here's your host bob murphy hey everyone welcome to another episode of the bob murphy show this episode is going to be a bit somber my guest is Lynn Ulbricht, who is the mother of Ross Ulbricht, whom many of you probably know as the founder of the Silk Road website. So in case you don't know what that is, this was a website that allowed, it was sort of like eBay, that the people running the website didn't hold any inventory. They just, it was a place where buyers and sellers could connect, could find each other, and then payment was done via Bitcoin rather than, you know, traditional um, financial institutions. And the reason this was a notorious website was they allowed the sale of items that were illegal, you know, drugs, basically. So there are other things being sold too, but that's point being that that's where people who wanted to buy drugs could go and it was relatively safe. Um, you know, and untraceable by the authorities. I want to mention, we get into this in the interview, but to be clear, uh, Ross didn't want there to be anything that would violate somebody's rights, okay? So you you couldn't sell stolen merchandise and things of that nature, right? So, so although it did allow illegal activity, it was stuff that was deemed, you know, victimless crimes, the way we would sometimes describe it. So the shocking aspect of the case is that Ross was convicted and the sentence he received was double life plus 40 years. So at the time, you know, back before I knew much about it, I kind of just thought, oh yeah, this, I mean, that's a shame that, but you know, this, this shouldn't be illegal in a free society, this kind of thing. And just hey, another victim of the drug war. And wow, that's a crazy sentence. That's kind of what my reaction was. And also I didn't get too involved with it because there were allegations that in addition to the, you know, victimless crime stuff that the person running the Silk Road website who went by the alias of Dread Pirate Roberts, an allusion to the character from the Princess Bride movie that the authorities were saying was Ross, that when confronted by somebody who had been threatening to expose the real identities of some of the key people involved with Silk Road to the authorities, and of course, had this person follow through with that threat, then those people would have been arrested. So, you know, this is a serious threat. And he was demanding, you know, payment. You know, he's blackmailing Dread Pirate Roberts, saying, you give me money or else I'm going to tell the authorities about who these people are. That in response, the Dread Pirate Roberts who again, the authorities are saying this was Ross at the time, tried to hire some hitmen to take out the person. Like that was the solution to, geez, this guy's threatening me. I don't want to give him a bunch of money. I also don't want him to have my acquaintances or colleagues, whatever, go to prison. So I guess I'm going to have to take him out. 
right? So for all those re, you know, I, I think a lot of other people too, that made us take a step back. Like, oh, geez, this, this isn't just an open and shut case of victimless crime. It looks like there was some stuff here that, you know, probably we, we really don't want to be involved with. And so that's where it stood. Eventually, though, uh, I think it was the first time it was at Porkfest is when I saw Lynn give a talk. And I heard more about the actual trial. And it, it was just crazy. All right. So if your initial reaction, what you filed it away as it was similar to mine, I would encourage you to listen to this interview. We're not going to just talk about, oh, gee, shouldn't it be legal to buy and sell marijuana and whatnot in the United States? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about even given the laws that were on the books, it is astonishing what a miscarriage of justice it was in the, the trial of, um, of Ross. So that's what we talk about. Also, too, I just I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. The stuff about the the hitmen or whatever, that's you know, Lynn is saying that no, that that was completely made up. The state didn't even press those charges. Okay, so that, in her opinion, was just something they made up just to, you know, ruin Ross's reputation. And it had the desired effect. It made, you know, people who might have otherwise been sympathetic kind of keep him at arm's length because, oh, gee, he, he sounds like he's violent and maybe this isn't a good guy after all, that kind of thing. Okay, so um, that's what that's what we talk about. And, of course, you know, she'll tell at the end of the interview, you know, if, if you want to do something to help, you know, what, what you can do. So uh, with that introduction, here is my interview with Lynn Ulbricht. Well, Lynn, welcome to the Bob Murphy Show. Thanks, Bob. So good to be here. So, um I'm sure most of my listeners are going to think their the reaction was probably the same, you know, when they heard about this as mine originally was, which was, oh yeah, in a free society, that stuff wouldn't even be illegal. And this is, you know, that's kind of crazy. But I think most people assumed, oh yeah, you know, you're a major drug trafficker. You're going to go to jail. I mean, that's the way it is. And so what I want to focus on in this interview is how even stipulating what the laws were on the books, mm -hmm. the the trial, and then of course, sentencing of your son was just amazing and like outrageous. And so why don't we just start with just the sentence? So officially, just to make sure listeners know this, yeah. what is the actual sentence that he received? Uh, double life plus 40 years without parole for all nonviolent charges, first time offender for something he did when he was 26 years old on a computer. Double life. Yeah, plus, plus 40, 40 years. years. Right. I th and then I saw you mentioned that like Manuel Noriega didn't get that big of a sentence. Oh, no. And neither did El Chapo. And neither mm -hmm. have many drug kingpins, which is what they're saying Ross is, which is absurd. But um, yeah, uh, El Chapo recently got half the sentence that Ross did. Mm -hmm. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's government uh, abuse of power and horrible. So, and again, we're going to obviously get into the specifics here. So folks, trust me, it's not just that, oh, wow, that sentence seems over the top. I want to walk through some of the elements of the case and the trial. But in your opinion, I mean, this might just be an obvious thing to you, but just for for the record, what what were they trying to do? I mean, obviously it can't just be, oh, they're trying to send a message to drug, drug traffickers because as you said, you're giving examples of other ones who are more notorious. So yeah. is it because he was one of the first to like marry anonymous transactions in Bitcoin and so on. And they and they wanted to send a message like, don't even go down this path, people, mm -hmm. because look what happens. They actually did um, say, you are the first to use the internet in this way. I'm not even sure that's true, but the first to use the internet in this way. And that was one justification for mm -hmm. coming down so hard on Ross. 
actually a, a lawyer wrote a, an editorial about that and about the fact that someone's high profile, they should have just as much justice in the system. But I do think they, they did also say they were using his, him as an example, another abuse of our justice system. That's not what it's about. And, uh, mm. But I personally also believe it was about Bitcoin. It was very mm. new then. It was different times then. You know, it's been uh, over six years ago and very few people had heard of Bitcoin. Uh, the dark, deep web was, you know, the vi another villain in the whole story. And Ross was made the poster boy for the deep web, mm -hmm. uh, which is really unfair. And um, but it was the Bitcoin. It was the first proof of use of Bitcoin that could be used as money. Chuck Schumer came out, you know, he was on the banking committee, the Senate Finance Committee, and he called for the takedown of Bitcoin and Silk Road. Mm -hmm. Then it came out just two years ago, it kind of backs up my theory, because from Snowden Papers, that the NSA was urgently tracking Bitcoin users a couple of months before the takedown of Silk Road and Ross's arrest at the same time. And um, they were considering, of course, that's illegal if they're Americans, but it's like I thought they were supposed to be chasing down terrorists to protect us. And right. apparently they thought this was a priority, very threatening. And, um, and actually terrorists have gotten much less sentences than Ross, a lower sentences than Ross sure. as well. Sure. So that's uh, so that's my theory. You know, I, I think it's kind of obvious, but because um, the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years and well, yeah, that's, the same yeah, offense that's, level as Ross. Yeah. So I, I, I would have mentioned this already in the in the introduction uh, to start this episode off, but so Silk Road is this website that was just the people running the the website weren't holding inventory; they were just connecting yeah, it was a buyers and sellers. Yeah, they were just connecting buyers and sellers. And so your point here is, well, if if the problem is oh that it was facilitating illegal transactions, how can it be that Ross is, Ross is getting a more serious sentence than? somebody who was convicted of selling drugs over Silk Road. Right, who actually was selling drugs, which Ross is not accused of doing. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't a hands-on thing. It was a platform, mm -hmm. from what I understand, a platform. Mm -hmm. And there were things that were um, not allowed because it was based on the non-aggression principle that it, you could, you're free to do what you want to do with yourself and one other voluntary person. But if it hurts a third party, for instance, in the case of child pornography, it was not allowed. Child porn and anything to do with pedophilia was not allowed. Uh, weapons, um, violent services, fraud, of, you know, stolen property, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's very different than a lot of, of sites. And um, actually, Facebook, for example. Right, right. So, um, so, your, so the point that is that even though it was being sold to people as like, oh, wow, the sinister thing. You're saying there were standards in place and the administrators did, you know, if someone tried to offer for sale, like stolen, you know, they, were, like, right. they couldn't use defense stolen goods or whatever, that that would get flagged and, and taken down. Yeah. And actually Curtis Green, who was a um, high level administrator said they used, would spend all day long making sure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So there was, you know, it was a different kind of place. There was a book club. There was a um, a whole thing about staying safe with, you know, and with drugs and that sort of thing or getting off drugs. Not too many kingpins are, you know, use the, the non-aggression principle or, or care about voluntary interaction or helping people get off drugs mm -hmm. or survive or whatever, you know, and to call him a kingpin 
well, that was just another prosecutorial weapon that they used. Mm-hmm. And um, they brought it in at the last minute, actually. And um, it's calling a website host a, a, or a creator, actually, a kingpin, mm-hmm. which is for abuse. And and so another part thing that you mentioned there a minute ago was you were saying to get that incredible double life plus 40-year sentence, none of the actual charges you know, that he was found guilty and were for anything violent. And I think casual people might say, but wait a minute, I know when that was breaking that, you know, didn't he hire some hitmen or something? So, I mean, come on, Lynn, he's, you know, he killed two people, Mm -hmm. didn't he? Mm -hmm. So can you talk to that? Well, first of all, no one was murdered, but also this came out as an allegation, which was never by the prosecutors. And then they dropped it when they came time to officially indict him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't there. And um, there was articles. So, so, so just to be clear, when you say no murders, you're saying there are no dead, like no it's, dead not that there's, it's not that there's dead bodies and they're yeah. saying maybe Ross there did it. You're bodies. saying there are no, there was no murder, period. No. And now the issue is just, yeah, the, the okay. So go yeah, ahead. It was his intention, but this was all based on anonymous chats, which Ross denies. And mm. the thing is, even if it were true, uh, the charge for that without a murder is 10 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, look, but Ross is so peaceful and nonviolent. And so it's just, you know, there's, I knew immediately that it was, was not true. And um, yeah. And so it didn't, they were not, he was not charged at trial. A jury did not convict him of this. It was never proven except prosecutors are saying it's true. Oh, you're supposed to believe us with no, mm-hmm. ch- not going by our judicial system of trial by jury. And actually this mm-hmm. was brought to the Supreme court as a violation of the sixth amendment because that the Sixth Amendment was written to protect the accused from rogue judges and rogue prosecutors overriding the fact that a jury had hadn't ruled on something or else had acquitted someone even mm-hmm. and saying, well, we believe it's true. So it's true into the cage with you. And um, that's our Sixth Amendment of the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And it was violated. It was brought to the Supreme Court and they didn't address it. Actually, Justice Scalia was very concerned about this because apparently it's quite common and he was saying, you know, this isn't right. It should be a trial by jury, 12 of your peers, supposedly, not one judge deciding she knows best. There was another indictment in Maryland where the corrupt agents resided and were working. And it was based on material from a corrupt agent who is now in prison. Uh, and um, that has been dismissed with prejudice. Done. So there's nothing in the legal system whatsoever uh, that Ross ever did anything like that. Okay, so let me just unpack that because there's a lot a lot there i want to make sure that mm-hmm. the casual listener catches everything that happened here because it's it's pretty important i think just yeah, as, as an sure. example of how this stuff works i remember my own reaction is when I, when the thing first broke and whatever and i was looking into it you know because you're just you're writing on libertarian things and you don't know yeah. what and i remember when i saw that it kind of makes you take a step back totally. like, oh wait a minute i don't know if i want to be going to bat for some guy that looks like he had people killed. And so, I mean, it really does have this chilling effect that everybody who might initially have been sympathetic to someone who was merely being charged with. And so, so first of all, the allegation was they had these uh, chats, right? Where it looked like, was it DPR acting? Yeah, well, they, yeah. And who was DPR? That's well, no, 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 no. I know, but I'm saying but, yeah, it, but as anyway, far as, um, as what the public would have seen. Uh, yeah. And um, actually Curtis Green, who was the, it was a sting, Mm-hmm. The last one was a sting and it was, a, you know, Curtis Green, who faked his death. They made him fake his death. He's come out as a supporter of Ross. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe Ross was the person behind it. He has his own theory about who it was. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my theory is that the government made up the whole chat 
themselves, okay. which is very, and they're now in prison. So right. it's like, really? Um, that's what you've got. They're anonymous. There's no, there was never a witness, never anyone saying, Oh, Ross Ulbrich did this. It's, it's, you know, and that's the problem with digital evidence. It's yeah. very easily manipulated. So, Okay, yeah. so what? But the actual, you know, in terms of is what's there, like what? Suppose somebody, you know, had said at the time, wait, wait a minute, you're, you know, the allegations are floating around. He did what? What okay. exactly? Says, oh, well, we have this this chat log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DPR yeah, yeah. Well, stands yeah. for Dread Dread Private Roberts, you know, which is what the administrator was calling himself. Obviously, a reference to the Princess Bride, yeah, character. So DPR, that's that stands for. So it looking like right. because people were, I, I vaguely recall, like. The, the the superficial story or prima facie story was, oh, because somebody was like blackmailing DPR saying, I'm going to go and turn in, you know, real things to the government about reveal your people's you, identities. You know, know, right. Yeah. Because everyone's using pseudonyms. Site, yeah. Potentially is to. Yeah. Which could be. Jail. Yeah. So that's a very yeah. serious threat. Mm -hmm. one, you know, if this, if this had really happened, you could right. understand how, yeah, somebody who's running the Silk Road, someone's threatening, I'm going to reveal the identities of these people who obviously could go to prison for a long time. And so then the claim is DPR then says, okay, well, hmm, I, I think I got to do something about that. And then is mm. like putting out feelers to hire hitmen to deal with this person who's trying to blackmail them. Right. So your point is number one, even if that all happened as, as stated, it wasn't carried out. And so you're saying the, the, the penalty in our legal system for trying to hire someone to kill somebody that doesn't actually come to fruition is only 10 years. Right. So still, even if that were all true, where you get in double life plus 40, that doesn't fit. No. And then my other understanding is that cloud of that charge of the double murder for hire plot was cited for his original um, to be denied bail. That's correct. That's when we first heard about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, our lawyer didn't even know about it until in the bail hearing. He, they, okay. It was an ambush. And, right. they, and he had no way to talk to Ross or about this mm -hmm. or anything. Right. And uh, yeah. But that's how prosecutors work. Sure. They're but, um, but very, then, um, yeah, anyway. But then going to, but then they, they dropped it, right? So and they dropped to, it. Then they, they d used it to deprive him of bail. Mm -hmm. Then two months later when they indicted him, it wasn't there very um, mm -hmm. clearly. And then, uh, but then it, they were allowed to talk about it to the jury, not charge him with it, but go, mm -hmm. oh, well, this and this and this bad guy and believe us, but no, no charge and no okay. conviction. Right. And then at sentencing, the judge used it to um, justify her draconian evil sentence that she gave Ross. And um, do you, do you do you remember her exact wording or or close to like how? Uh, not how on she... that. I remember her exact wording about why she thought he started the site, which was, "We know you started the site for philosophical reasons, and we and I don't know it's a philosophy you've left behind." This is a First Amendment issue, so I'm skipping around a bit, but mm -hmm. those are the words emblazoned on my mind because I feel like that is the other you had asked about what's behind this. I think the idea, the idea mm -hmm. of an open marketplace that's out of the government's control is a big part of why they came down so hard. And she said it. And it's right. a it's a First Amendment uh, violation. We're not supposed to be put in jail for our philosophy. As regards the um, I don't remember her exact words about it. She brought it up even though it wasn't charged and it wasn't convicted. Okay. And, so this is yeah. what you're talking about. The sixth amendment. And that issue. was also went to the Supreme court, but also. Right. Okay. Yeah. So just again, so the listener who's hearing this with fresh ears knows what you were saying. So you're saying that even though what he was formally indicted with charged with, and you went to trial for mm -hmm. the, these murder for hire things weren't on there at all. No. And yet. 
And yeah, the, she, the you, prosecutors are speaking. So the jury's hearing this stuff. So it's kind of just floating out there. So now they're thinking, yeah, this, this defendant is actually a killer. And then the judge, even when justifying or when talking about the sentencing, said, brings well, this up again. Know, yeah, yeah. But it was never proven or convicted or anything. Okay. And, um, and by the way, people, the press, I think it has a lot to do with that the prosecutors use the media. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's really juicy to say murder for hire. You don't want to talk about raw milk was on Silk Road or something or electronics mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, yawn. No, mm-hmm. murder for hire. That's really good. And it has stuck. You know, I think we've managed to, you know, with interviews like this, mm-hmm. explain it. But it's that's what you think of a lot of times people think of. And it's so um, antithetical to who Ross is. But anyway, yeah. So she used it uh, improperly and um, mm-hmm. to justify because she because obviously the sentence is so absurd. The sentence right. evil, really yeah. barbaric. Right. And um, so she needed to bring in something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, and then you also alluded to some other stuff here, which is you know. As if this weren't enough, but wait, folks, there's more. Yeah, I know. There's so the gift that keeps on giving with this. Two, two of the federal agents who were involved with this case, are they both in prison or just one? They're, well, and I think there were more than two, but the two, there are two in prison. They were not allowed to be known to the jury. The jury had nothing about them could be known to the jury. Mm-hmm. And so the jury did not know that there were two corrupt government agents who had total access to the site. They had passwords pin numbers, keys, they could act as DPR if they wanted or mm-hmm. other aliases. They had, to- they had they could change anything on the chats or which was used as evidence in trial. Right. And they could change all of that. This was not allowed to be known to the jury. Okay, so let's hang on before we tell what the jury let's let's be clear on what happened. So when we're saying they're in prison right now, we don't mean because they got caught on t- on uh, you know speeding tickets or something. No, they were. It was very germane. Stealing. Ste- yeah. They used their access to steal about thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, I'm not okay, sure so the you, exact amount. I think it was twenty thousand Bitcoin. I don't know. You know, it's huge okay, amount. Okay, so you tell me if if I'm getting this right or wrong, or or, or elaborate. Um, sure. So these it, it was. Um, do, do you know their names at the top of their head, or should I? Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. Carl <laughs> Mark Force, who was a DEA agent. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean Bridges, who was a Secret Service agent, also working for the NSA at the time. Okay. So they were involved early on in the, the let's call it the crackdown on Silk Road. I don't know, like, which agency had jurisdiction or whatever. And yeah, they, Maryland. And but, they got, well, you just said the guy's name and I, I lost. Okay, the, it's the, okay. Uh, Carl got, Mark Forsen, Sean okay, Bridges. So he, yeah, so he was one of the administrators of Silk Road. They got him, and then I guess. Oh no, you mean Curtis Green? Th- that's why I mean. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they they did, and they forced him to uh, fake his death, blah blah blah, but also give them a back door to the okay. site, and that's right. how they got all this access. And okay, so, so early on, you know, before Ross gets arrested and everything, yes. these agents yes. have already, you know, applied the pressure to one like high level administrator of the website. He gives them like his login credentials. Yes. Exactly. Under duress or whatever, or maybe to, yes. to cooperate no, with them. Sounds like duress when he describes it, but yeah. Okay, so it's so it's not like part of a, I mean, it's not like well, part of a plea deal or something. It was like they're going rogue and on this like shaking them down. I don't know if it was rogue. It was probably all part of the thing, but it was still yes. Okay, it wasn't part of a formal him, plea agreement. Threatening his family, etc. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So he gives them the lot. 
So then with the the ability of them now, they're effectively Silk Road administrators. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They Absolutely. go in and they Top raided and they raided the accounts of people on this. So they're stealing bitcoins from yeah. from vendors, okay. you know. And, right. And nothing nothing got stolen from Silk Road up until that point. I mean, and that there are millions of dollars, not billion like they say in the media, but multiple millions of dollars being, you know, and nothing was ever mm-hmm. stolen from it. Right. Um, so, the, so there these was agents, a certain integrity there, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, it was so about these, more that it was about a free market. It wasn't about drugs and all of it, it became right. that. But, you know, because it was considered a free choice amongst individuals. If you wanted, it was mainly mm-hmm. cannabis, by the way. I mean, I'm digressing slightly, but I want to get this in. Uh, Carnegie Mellon did a study. The most commonly exchanged uh, drug was user amounts of cannabis until the um, agents got involved. Then it got big, but um, as far as cannabis, but there were hard drugs on there. I'm not going to defend it at all, mm-hmm. but um, it was considered a free choice and up to the individuals as long as a third party wasn't harmed. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a fairly libertarian uh, right. point of view. Yeah. And um, so anyway, Okay, so I wanted to make sure that was no, you know, that is a good clarity because you're right. The way it's portrayed is like, yeah, you people are thinking this is like sarin gas or something, and no, it, it's it was right. A, I mean, a lot there of, are bad things on there. There's yeah. bad things on Facebook. Actually, Facebook has has sold people have sold a lot more drugs on Facebook mm-hmm. than they ever did on Silk Road. Mm-hmm. That was brought up in Congress, mm-hmm. but um, you know, and of course Craigslist and all, you know, it's the it, yeah. I mean, but there were bad things. I I. It wasn't supposed to be anything that hurt people, a third party, mm-hmm. but, you know, it was an open market, so it wasn't regulated, you know, tightly or anything. But right. Okay. So these federal agents, you know, there's a period here where, where the, you know, the, the government's crackdown is still under the radar. They have logging credentials. They're stealing Bitcoin. And this isn't just your claim. I mean, they, they're in prison now. Oh, no, this, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, this is, they were officially convicted of this, of, oh, yeah. you know, doing this stuff off the they clock. They only got six years, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, part of the issue is, like, for example, those chat logs that apparently showed that DPR was trying to hire hitmen. That was their state. In, that was in, state yeah. by those guys. By those guys. So, in theory, I mean, they had the ability, they could have just written that stuff yes. themselves Absolutely. and then produced it. I, think be, they, I personally think it mm-hmm. reads like they did. And right. the thing is with Ross, especially I know he types like a techie. He There's all these nice little capital letters and punctuation. I have never gotten anything from Ross like that. It's more mm-hmm. like da, 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 and all, you know, like a techie. Mm-hmm. And right, this is right. all very proper. And, and it sounds like the phoniest thing ever, in my opinion, but there was nothing to stop them from saying, yeah, that this was, you okay. know, whatever they wanted to say it was. And, and so, so that's kind of, Amazing that oh wow these guys who are clearly doing you know corrupt stuff they're stealing you know from a crime scene or whatever you want to call it and you know in terms of the government's jurisdiction or whatever and the way protocol should be while they're working a case they're stealing money from the potential people or criminals and then and they have the ability to forge all kinds of digital quote evidence that is going to be used and so okay that's bad enough but now you're saying the jury in your son's trial, never knew about that. No, it came out two months after trial, but that we fought it, you know, Ross fought it and his lawyers and said, look, this isn't right. And the, the prosecutors are like, no, well, well, we're doing an investigation. This will ruin it if it comes out in trial. And we said, okay, well, wait, put it off till you're done. No, no, no. Um, Ross has a right to a speedy trial. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, 
okay, so can, joke. And let, uh, let's un- can we unpack that? So, mm-hmm. you, so your team, you guys knew. Like, what's the, what's the I timeline? I guess. Like, how did you I know what know. was going on? They when? A, yeah, they had a pretrial hearing. Mm-hmm. Actually, the prosecutors did not let the judge know about Sean Bridges, but they did. She did know about Carl Force, and um, so they hid that from her. And um, they, yeah, they they were pushing for not having them in the trial. And our, and our lawyer was saying, wait a second, this is a very important part of the, you know, proving innocence and at least reasonable doubt. And mm-hmm. um, they fought it and she upheld what they said and kept it from the jury. And then two months later, it all came out about these agents. So, so it, during the trial itself, when you guys were pushing for this, at that point, what was the... Like, had they been relieved of their duties? Were they in prison? Yeah, what? well, they were under investigation, but this was pre-trial. Okay. This was a right, sealed right. pre-trial hearing that I couldn't go to. Mm-hmm. And um, it was determined at that time. Yeah, they were, they they had not been arrested yet, but they mm-hmm. knew they were under, see, that's the thing. They go, oh, you're going to ruin our investigation. They already knew they were um, under investigation. They'd been interviewed by the prosecutors already. So, mm-hmm. and I think Sean Bridges tried to escape and it was a whole... So they already knew that that was a bogus excuse. They mm-hmm. did not want the jury to know that this was going on because that would undermine their case. I mean, you know, then sure. it's like, well, wait a second. Who's DPR? Who's this? Who did this? It's all anonymous. Mm-hmm. No, we've got our trophy. We're going for our trophy. That's what they do. That's what prosecutors do. And they put your head on the spike like in the medieval castle and yeah. say, you, you know, we got our man. And if you do this, you know, and. It's really horrible what um, it's become in our justice system. It really is. We don't really have a right to a fair trial anymore. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's why something like 98 percent of people plea even to things they're innocent of uh, because they are threatened by prosecutors. Their families are threatened They're. It's not good. It's very bad situation. Now, I remember I've seen you, of course, in different venues, you know, given a, a yeah. public talk on this stuff. Yeah. And there was one that really jumped out at me like, wow, uh, um, it was, it happened over a long weekend. Do you know what I'm talking about? The, the, the judge said one thing on a Friday. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you, so can you tell that aspect sure. of it? Yeah. Um, it was the third day of trial, I believe they were interviewing, uh, or cross-examining, uh, Jared Deryagin, who was really the initial investigator out of Chicago on this. He had spent 2,000 hours, two years as undercover on Silk Road. He knew it very well. He never thought it was Ross, by the way. This is all on our um, website um, mm-hmm. called, uh, we've changed the name to Silk Road, The True Story. It's a, You can click on it and you can read it or see a little video about it. It's all based on the public record and the trial and everything. And he, um, he basically said um, he thought it was uh, Mark Carpellis who was running Mount Gox. That was what he thought and uh, suspected. He also talked about how out of Maryland, the same place where the corrupt agents were. Can I stop you? When you say he thought it was, what do you mean? Like who the DPR was? Sorry, the DPR. The direct pirate Roberts was Mark Carpellis Mm -hmm. and had reasons. And Can I, I'm just again for the listener. So what, explain, unpack that a little bit. So everybody admits Ross founded this website, but the issue is he's saying I'm, I'm not, wasn't always DPR or never yeah, was. Yeah, idea. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, it's 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 that he didn't continue. He's not a programmer. You know, he doesn't right. have that. It got too much, and he passed it on. And okay. uh, to DPR, who the um, investigator Jared Yegan, mm-hmm. that was Mark Carpellis. I'm not saying it was Mark Carpellis. He hasn't been on trial, but that's who he thought it was after 2,000 mm-hmm. hours and two years. 
And this was starting to come out and the prosecution went crazy. They're like, objection, objection, objection. And um, finally, they shut down the trial, essentially. And the jury went home and they argued and argued. And the judge said, look, this is relevant. This is relevant. If there was an alternate perpetrator, um, this they have a right to bring this up They and bring this out in a witness. What are you talking about? That was a um, Friday. We had a long weekend. By Tuesday, she came back and said, uh, anything about Mark Arpelis is off limits. Anything about an alternate perpetrator is off limits. We are not discussing this. I'm telling the jury to disregard everything they heard on Friday. And she went back retroactively to flag what the prosecutor should have objected to and didn't and sustained it. Who does this? What happens? <laughs> when does this happen in Trump? And right. um, yeah, I mean, it was I was in shock because that Friday I was like, oh, my God, this is great. You know, they and then by Tuesday, I was just like, what? Are you kidding me? It was just horrible. And uh, so, so yeah. again, just to be, was it your witness or the, originally was the prosecution's witness? Prosecution's own witness was saying all this stuff. Okay. It, while being cross-examined by the defense attorney. Yes. Okay. So that, Yeah. They said that they met, that agents out of Maryland, where the corrupt agents were, met with uh, Carpellis' lawyers in Guam. Mm-hmm. And that the lawyers said, look, you back off Carpellis because they were after him mm-hmm. uh, and we'll give you a name. And then Ross was arrested a couple of weeks. Or I don't know exactly how long, not that mm-hmm. long after. And even then, Jared Driegan didn't think it was Ross. This mm-hmm. is all in our in our document sure. on the plane, all footnoted, by the way, out of his his own testimony. But. They didn't want, okay. you know, they went after so, Ross. Okay. So again, just so the listeners get what happened. So it happens to be a Friday. The prosecution brings in a witness. You know, they have him do whatever. He'd been on and for then, a few days. Yeah. And then the, okay. the defense was. Uh, so now examined. Ross's lawyer gets up and during the cross-examination, it starts coming out that, well, actually it's possible that my client isn't DPR. Right. It's, exactly. And he's like, well, yeah, it's possible it's so-and-so. And now, so now the jury is hearing you know, something that, yeah, you think that'd be very yeah. relevant to the defense to raise reasonable doubt is to say, wait a minute, this witness that actually is the prosecution's witness is yeah. admitting um, it and could he, be someone else. Yeah. The, the judge on that day agreed because the prosecution's objecting and she's, what are you talking about? Of course they can say this. But then by Tuesday, not only can we not hear that, I'm going to instruct the jury to disregard anything that they heard from the witness that was only there originally because the prosecution brought him in. Correct. That wow. is all correct. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish you could be videoed sometimes at these court, these trials. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm pretty sure, well, I won't get into that, but I, I swear I heard things that were not in the transcript, but so does Paul Rosenberg, by the way. We both were there and we're both like, I, I remember that. But I don't know if those Oh, that's it. So hang on. You're so right. you're saying you're, after the fact, you read the, the official transcripts of what was said at the trial and they don't line up with your recollection? Well, a couple of things, yeah things that you remember happening that aren't in the transcript or things in the transcript that you said nobody said that? No, not there. Taken out. Okay, so things things taken out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't prove it because it's not there. Sure. <laughs> but Paul and Are I you... both heard it and he wrote an article about it because he's like, yeah, we both heard it. We're, I'm sure, you know. There's so many things. It's so complicated. Right. Um, there are so many... You know, I really need to review it, to be honest. I need to, I mean, it's been, you know, so long. I need to go back and review all these details again because um, there's so much there. It's, Mm -hmm. and it's really, um, 
and especially with this sentence, it's um sets a terrible precedent. You know, before this trial, digital evidence was not permitted to be used as evidence because it is so easily manipulated and deleted and and that comes to the whole thing after trial, which I should tell you, but hang on one sec. Okay. <laughs> it's like digital evidence was actually a precedent was set with this trial that it can be used. And that puts us all in danger because they can come up with anything digitally, throw it on a screen and convince a jury, oh yeah, it's true, it's, it's in writing on a screen. That's mm. basically what happened. But after trial, they bury, what happens before trials, they bury you, bury you in material. And then you're looking for needles in a haystack. And what, was ha- what happened after trial was a couple of those needles were discovered. And one of them was that there was um, evidence deleted because there was an original folder and it wasn't in there and it showed a corrupt agent involved and all of that. It also showed that DPR logged into Silk Road Forum uh, when Ross was in solitary confinement in jail. And Jared Driegan, that, that um, uh, you know, the investigator, when he was testifying said, yeah, I, I believe there were many DPRs and that has come out in many ways. So to pin it all on Ross uh, is another but, you know, terrible thing. Because, you know, and the murder for hire. Well, who was that DPR? Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody said it was Ross. Lots of people, or at least some, had that handle and could use it, including the corrupt agents, by the way. Right. Okay, so did, you said, I don't know if you just covered it, but you said you'll come back to in a minute that Digital 11, after the trial stuff was deleted? Yeah. So, yeah, um, I fo- a folder was discovered with chats with... A, an agent, and this is all in that same document I talked about on our website, um, saying he would sell material to DPR about the investigation and warn him and stuff. So DPR was paying the guy. And, and it was a whole long thing. This is right before Ross was arrested and set up, basically. And um, they, uh, it's all there. But it wasn't known until after trial, so we can't use it. Mm. And... Um, it's proof. It's like right there that some there's another corrupt agent who was our high level person who got in there somehow or maybe a hacker. I don't know. And deleted a bunch of stuff that was incriminating. And also it showed the DPR logged in to the Silk Road Forum from the DPR account when Ross was in jail. And had, of course, no access to he was in solitary. He had no absolutely no access to do. He couldn't have done that. So, Yeah. The digital evidence thing, the fact that everything was anonymous, um, the fact that there's even the government agent thought there were many DPRs. Um, there are, and there's other things that happened at trial that were not allowed to be known to the jury in terms of that. To put a young man who's no, no criminal history, first time offender, no history of violence ever in his entire life, in jail, in prison to die. Death, he, he's condemned to death in prison. That's what he's, that's yeah. really the sentence. Not life in prison, it's death in prison. This is, um, is it's got to be corrected, which is what I'm very much working t- for constantly. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just so wrong. Yeah, I, I do want to get to, you know, what you've been doing since this happened um, in a second. But yeah. the, the last thing, just on that, because again, I was trying to remember the, the yeah, stuff that yeah, I've been no, accumulating. I remember, um, I don't know if this is enough to prod your memory, but wasn't there something like you guys were going to bring, or, you know, Ross's, Ross's attorney, Ross's attorney was going to bring in um, like a Bitcoin expert just mm-hmm. so the jury could have, and the judge said, no, nah, I'm pretty sure the jury knows about Bitcoin or, or something like, you know what I'm talking about? They understand Bitcoin just fine. Yeah. That was, no, it was Antonopoulos. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a well-known expert, and uh, she wouldn't let him testify. Which is amazing, because even right now, 12 people selected <laughs> from the, you know, the ranks of the average people in America don't know how Bitcoin works. Yeah. And, so th- and this was years ago when it was, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and the point wasn't, you know, it, it was just to give some factual information just so the jury could kind of understand how this website worked. And what do you right. mean that, you know, they're they're sending payments outside the traditional channels and what? And the judge, yeah, said, no, nah, that the, the jury, I think they understand it just fine. And so he would have refuted, see, he would have refuted the government witness who was not a Bitcoin expert particularly. Mm-hmm. He, he'd done a little bit. And uh, from what I understood from him and from Roger Veer and others, it didn't even make sense what he was saying. But the jury didn't know that. He, he was talking about it like it was a, you know, typical bank transactions and stuff. It's very different. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, the jury was clueless about it. They were like half of them were asleep half the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame them, really. It got to be, you know, the, the, what they do is the pr- prosecution just kept talking and talking. And you're finally like, oh, my God. With all this technical stuff, they didn't understand. And actually, the judge coached them. She said, I don't think they really understood your explanation of Torah. Do you want to do that again? I'm like, really? You're going, I thought you were supposed to be a judge and not on their side, Mm -hmm. coaching the prosecution. You know, it was pathetic, actually. And it's it's very worrisome that it was a travesty. And Mm -hmm. this is our our court system. This is what is supposed to be between us. And the government throwing us all in a gulag, you know, and right. we don't have much in between right now. Mm-hmm. So since that happened, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about like the things you have helped organize and, you know, what, what, what you've been doing. Yeah, sure. Um, well, um, we, we've gotten so much great support from people, um, you know, from the Von Mises Institute. Um, you know, Jeff Dice wrote a, um, an article, um, Walter Block's a supporter, you're a supporter. You know, just um, it's been great. Libertarians, the Libertarian Party officially asked um, President Trump for clemency for Ross. And we have a widespread support page I sent you um, on our website. And um, we've gotten great people to step up and um, say, no, this isn't right. He need his sentence needs to be commuted. Um, and that's been an effort, you know, um, to get that done with, with me and um, family members and others to reach out to people and some people just stepped up. We also uh, have a petition that um, is on change.org that passed a quarter of a million recently. It's in, in the 260s now. That's great that we have that many people who are saying, no, this should be commuted. This should be corrected. This isn't right. Of course, um, I go around. Ross is doing a lot of writing. He just recently mm-hmm. wrote about Bitcoin and uh, and it got all it got on Yahoo Finance. I'm like, oh, Ross, you've you know, it's, but anyway, <laughs> about it. But right. um, you know, he's staying you know engaged as best he can without any computer or internet. But um, you know, we're just trying to keep it alive because I feel like you know, Ross, and also make him real because it's easy to think of oh, Ross is this name or this legend in the Bitcoin world where we've gotten also a lot of support from from mm-hmm. crypto people. Of course, he's a person. He's my mm-hmm. son. He's sitting in a cage. I just saw him on Saturday. I mm-hmm. And he's a good person. He's not a danger to a soul. He's actually doing everything he can in there to be a positive force. And would, if he got, when he gets out, I'm going to say, when he gets out. And uh, he's a lot to contribute. So mm-hmm. 
this is a human being who's now spent, he's on a, he's into his seventh year in a maximum security prison, totally nonviolent, but they throw him in maximum security. Um, and um, this is not right. And he's not unique. There's many nonviolent people serving life, thousands, crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also have excessive sentences that are just horrendous. And it didn't always used to be this way in America. It's since the drug war in the 80s that it's become this just insane draconian system that's been weaponized against people. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, uh, so, you know, I'm trying to call attention to that as well. Yeah. Uh, as, and, as, and to Ross, and we're just trying to keep it alive because it's so easy to forget, you know, oh, he's, where is he? He's off in prison somewhere or whatever. And um, it's easy to forget people in prison. And um, so just trying to keep it going, raise money, of course, try to get political connections, because really the person who can free Ross is uh, Donald Trump. Well, I was going to ask you, yeah, is, and obviously if you're not like supposed to talk about it, but like, Mm -hmm. are there still legal channels, things you're doing within the system besides just trying to raise public or like, have you hit roadblocks on all that stuff? We've, we've done with direct appeals to the courts. Um, mm-hmm. but there is a civil petition called a 2255 that we are engaged in. They don't have a great track record of winning, but Hey, we've got to try out everything. Sure. We're putting a lot of our effort behind clemency and getting the support of people putting together, you know, a packet of letters and, and trying to make contacts with people who can talk to mm-hmm. the president and saying, look, this is something to consider. This was wrong. This, the sentence, mm-hmm. and we're not asking for a pardon, just to be clear. We're mm-hmm. asking for a commutation, which just simply means correcting a bad sentence. Mm-hmm. I think this is the poster child for correcting right. a bad sentence. And so, like legally speaking, I mean, I have people coming up to me at conferences all the time saying, "If if Trump did that, I'd vote for him." You know. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's the it's it would push back on this precedent of excessive sentencing. And Trump recently, we you know, worked with the Kim Kardashian and whatever has been doing things like that, dipping his toe in at least. Yes. So it's not inconceivable that he might. That's um, true. Mm-hmm. And he has, um, you know, given commutations to drug offenders, you know, which Ross is, even though he didn't sell drugs, is a drug right. offender. And, um, you know, so we're hopeful. Um, I, I really hope that, um, you know, obviously I'm hoping and praying that this will be the year. And meanwhile, you know, I'm going around raising money and because, of course, we have to pay lawyers. We've got lawyers for the 2255. We've got lawyers for uh, clemency. We've got lawyer, all this stuff. And um, so that and also just trying to work any connections we can and mm-hmm. um, and also asking people, please sign the petition. You can go to freeross.org. Uh, it's Big Red Banner or freeross.org slash petition and join us and share it because I feel like it's a it's no guarantee, but it is impressive to congressmen I've spoken to and others. Oh, really? Over a quarter of a million people. Hmm. This is not just some little thing. This is a high profile opportunity to right a terrible wrong mm-hmm. and uh, and offer redemption. You know, look, Ross says, I regret it. It was a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. he was 26. And yeah. I'm not saying it's all okay. He's He has served quite a bit of time. Yeah. But, you know, what 26-year-old hasn't made a mistake? And, you know, I don't, if, especially if no one was harmed physically or, you know, there's no victims named at trial. It seems that 
he shouldn't have to pay for that mistake when he, but he's 35 now. He shouldn't have to pay for it for the rest of his life. I mean, that's just so overkill. And, you know, he's a different person now. He's, he's a 35 year old man. He, he was a zealous libertarian free market. I'm going to, you know, bring freedom to the world guy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, back then he talked to Jeffrey Tucker, uh, called the Mises Institute and talked to Jeffrey Tucker. And, um, you know, he's, he was, he was very much freedom, passionate about freedom. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not a bad person and he's not yeah. going to hurt anybody when he gets out. Okay. Well, uh, we wish you all the best, Thanks. Lynn. Uh-oh. And I'll, I'll point, I guess one last thing is that what, what's the name of the movie, like the sort of documentary that's about this? Oh, well, uh, Deep Web by Alex mm-hmm. Winter, um, narrated by Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. It only goes up to the trial. It's. I wish he could go to a sequel because he really did a good job. Yeah, that, that's the one I meant. That was a good yeah. one. And it shows, is he interviews top admins in Silk Road saying, oh, yeah, there are lots of DPRs. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, you know, if I wanted to get something done and the first DPR would say no, I'd just go to the next one. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, so Ross takes the brunt for everything? Yeah. That's not right. Okay, so yeah, so folks, we'll have, I'll have links, of course, to all this, uh, you know, into the petition and so forth at BobMurphyShow.com slash 97. Um, wish you all the best, Lynn, and hope this, uh, hope this works out in the end. I do too. I look forward to when you can meet Ross in person and uh, talk about e- economics. He's very interested yeah. in economics. <laughs> I, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Take care, Lynn. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show, the podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit bobmurphyshow.com.